Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. Last week we started a two-part message on to tell you the truth. And I know you said, well, Pastor, I hope you tell us the truth every time you get in the pulpit. I do. I do my best to tell you the truth every time I get in the pulpit. But how many of us know today that there's a lot of heresy being preached in our churches today? Yes. Come on, let's be real. I'm not saying in the church of God. I'm saying in churches, there's a lot of things that's being preached. Let me say this. The very core of what we believe in this church, let me say this. And I, I guess I should preach on the Declaration of Faith one Sunday, but the very core of what we believe in this church is that there is only one way to be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is not universalism. There is not many ways to the Father, but there is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together as one. We believe they are male in gender. That's what we believe. Yes, we still believe there is a gender. Male and female. Let me say that. There's no other. Okay, everybody understand that today. The scripture says that. He made them male and female. Okay, so we understand that. So we also preach and teach today that this, that we believe in the baptism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we practice in our churches today in our lives. We believe that. We believe that the Holy Spirit is our guide and we believe that he will lead us into all truth. And we believe in the second coming and the, the, the catching away of the saints. We believe that there is a rapture of the church. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that in three weeks. We're going to preach a series on the, the end times. And so don't everybody get scared. I mean, if you're not if you're not scared by what's going on in the news, you should be scared about the other stuff. So I'm just going to be real with you today. We're going to talk about um, to tell you the truth. Now, last week we talked about many different things. We talked about technology. We talked about that over 59 billion Google searches are done on the web every day. 59 billion. We, we understand that we are an information uh, generation. How many of us have some type of smartphone or Android device? Amen. Smartphone, Android, or was the other? iPhone? Uh, how many have a broke phone like me that's not an iPhone? It's an Android as well. The teenagers call it broke. Whatever reason. How many of you still have earbuds with, with wires on them? You have broke earbuds, and teenagers tell me that all the time. I'm just picking with Colin mostly because he don't have broke earbuds, but he can be broke if he crosses me, right? But anyway, I'm just picking with the college student. But no, today we, we're an information station, yet we are in the, in the, the generation of information, yet we have never been more biblically illiterate than we are today. There's no reason why not to read your Bible when you can, how many has a smartphone? For free, you can download the Bible app on your phone and you can read and you don't even have to go buy a Bible. Now what version you read, that's left up to you. But what I am trying to say today, there's opportunities out there. You can Google and pull up Bible studies and commentaries. Miss Marianne, you don't even have to pay. You used to pay, pay years ago these big old thick Bible commentaries which are study guides. We used to pay um, David, three and four hundred, sometimes five hundred dollars for those commentaries. You can find those online for free. So what I'm trying to say is there's lots of information out there, but make sure the information that you're getting about the gospel of Jesus Christ is the Bible. Okay? It is the Bible. We don't add to, we don't take away. There's no extra. There's no book for Mormon. Come on. There's none of that. That's right. Amen. We believe that. So we're gonna preach today. I'm gonna quit quit uh, uh, kicking the dead horse and we're gonna preach today. We're going to talk about to tell you the truth. We're going to start with John 4 and 24. John 4 and 24. We talked about this and referred to the scripture last week. Stand with us for the reading of the word, if you will, and then I'm going to preach right on the and then y'all can go to prayer tonight or whatever. I'm just picking. Uh, let's read this together. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Stretch your hands this way and ask God to bless us for the preaching and teaching of his word. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that has moved among us, that has spoke to us already today. And we pray today, Father, that the Holy Spirit would speak through his word today. 
And Father, you would speak to us and you would give us ears to hear your word, not just ears to hear your word, but God, give us ears to be doers and, and the strength to be doers of your word, the faith to be doers of your word. We pray that everything we say and do would bring honor and glory to your kingdom, that your church would be edified and your name would be glorified. We know if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men unto you. That's our request today. In Jesus' name, and all the church said amen. 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 You can be seated. Now, this scripture says that God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm so thankful for music today. Yes. You know, it's been called, music is the universal language. Now, this is some of you that say, I don't really like music. And the first thing you do when you get in your car is turn the stereo. Some of you singing, Come on, Brian, did I hit a nerve there? Some of you are singing, some of them get up in the morning like me and say, Who am I? Come on. Y'all didn't think I was going to use the whole rock analogies this morning. But we all listen to music. It's called the universal language. But how many of us know that there's something different than just any music than when we're singing God's music? Yes. How many of us know when we sing the words of God, most praise and worship songs are biblical based today, that most of them come directly for scripture or you were singing scripture. So how many of us know that when we come into the house and we begin to worship the Lord, something happens in our spirit. Somebody tell me what happens. Your spirit gets stirred. The Bible says God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me tell you today, church, if we're worshiping any other God besides Jesus and him crucified, we're worshiping the wrong God. Amen. We are worshiping Jesus. We are worshiping the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three members of the Godhead today. And when we come in and worship, and we forget about Miss Mary and everybody around us, and we begin to worship, what happens is the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. The Bible says that He is near to us when we worship Him. And when we worship Him, His Spirit is poured out upon us, and it changes our heart and our lives. That's the reason people come and pray. That's the reason, not because we're here, but because the Holy Spirit here. Yeah. Matter of fact, you cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you under the Father. Isn't that what Scripture says? So we understand today that He is a Spirit. And those that worship Him, they worship Him in Spirit and truth. And I've heard people say, well, Pastor Hare, I don't know about believing in all that Pentecostalism. And it's all right if I use these old preacher voices this morning. Because that's what I was raising. I don't believe in all that shout and running and speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit working in the church. Well, you don't believe the Bible. Amen, because the Bible says he's the poor spirit upon all flesh. And I'm not trying to hate nobody or trying to change your doctrine or what you believe. But we are who we are, and it's time for us to be who we are. And then we also understand this too, that the word of God says the Holy Spirit, Jesus told his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go in John chapter 16, and if I go away, I'm going to send you a comfort, and he's going to lead you into all truth. But he also says, Jesus was praying for his disciples. He said, Lord, sanctify the truth. Your word is truth. In John chapter 17, he was saying, sanctify the truth. Your word is truth. And the two, the three work hand in hand, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, anybody know who Jesus was recognized as in the word? He just gave you the answer. The word. The word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. It's time to let my class go. I don't know why my arms are over that. Anyway, it's time for second period to go. Okay. <laughs> so my kids will be telling Mr. Hess time to go. But anyway, thank you, Lord. I don't know why I needed the long line. This is telling me to move on. All right. So the Bible says that he was made flesh and he was dwelt among us. The Bible says Jesus prayed for his disciples. He says, Lord, you're sanctifying the truth. Your word is true. So we need something here today that a lot of churches have forgotten about. We need the Holy Spirit, but we need the truth of the word. Yes, amen. We need the truth of the word. We don't add to and we don't take away. From Genesis to Revelation is the word of God. If it hurts your feelings, it's still the word of God. If you say, Pastor, I don't believe all that, it's still the word of God. Whether I believe it or not, don't make it any less true. Come on. The very basis of our Christian faith, boy, is based on that the word of God is true. Jesus said it like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So the basis and the things that are being taught today called universalism, that a lot of people believe in, by the way, that all people go to heaven. No, if you don't know Jesus and you haven't confessed your faults and your sins to Jesus, if you haven't accepted him as Savior and you've been a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not going to heaven, you are going to hell. Amen. That's the truth. We're not going to need someone pastor. 
Don't bring this up today. It's the middle of the month. Come on. See, I've seen people say, we're just a good person and we're going to see him in heaven. We're not going to be an angel when we get to heaven. We're not. I'm helping some folks today. We're going to be around the throne. The Bible says we're going to be known as we were known. We're going to know as we were known. So one day when I get to heaven, Miss Judy, and I see you in heaven, I'm going to know you as Judy. Because the Bible says I'm going to know it alone. I'm not going to be flying around as an angel. I'm going to have a job in heaven. And I'm going to lay my crown at Jesus' feet. That's what scripture says. That I'm going to lay my crown at Jesus' feet. So I'm going to help a little bit. People that think as Christians that don't have a job and don't do anything for the kingdom, that's repugnant to the word of God, by the way. In other words, that's completely against the word of God. We should be workers for the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't save you for him to follow you. Jesus saved you for you to follow him. He said, take up your cross and follow me daily. That means it is a sacrifice. That's the reason we bring him the sacrifice of praise. How many gets up and comes in here all happy and you didn't fuss with your husband or wife and you didn't try on three or four hours before you come to church and your kids didn't have cereal all over their face and you didn't have to, and they got the wrong shoes on. How many of you ever come in here on Sunday mornings and everything goes good before church? I want to know what kind of anointing you got. Because it don't happen that way. You know what I learned over the years? Pride. Don't pick the clothes out. Let her do it. She may be mad at me picking the clothes out, but at least I don't have to book the reset song, okay? I just kept a lot of y'all. Amen. That's called wisdom. Amen. Happy wife, happy life. That's not scripture. That's, that's Rex 316 right there. Give me a little help. So the bottom line is, the bottom line is, God gives us this thing called wisdom. And he gives this thing. How many has ever heard of the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs has a lot of nuggets of wisdom. It tells us things to do and things not to do. It tells us how to live. It tells us about, it tells us stories about people that made wrong choices, right? It tells us the things and nuggets and the, the word of God and how we can live. So I'm helping you today see some things that we may not think about. So we need the spirit of God. Back to the spirit of God. We need the spirit of God to help us live holy lives. He said, Lord, sanctify with truth. Your word is truth. The Bible says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bear witness together. You know what it says? In other words, Jesus said, I don't speak of myself, but I speak of what my Father says. And the Holy Spirit that comes after me will speak of me. Isn't that what he said? So the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all right, y'all just made it through your first theological, theological class on the Trinity, okay? All right, Romans 12 and 1 talks about offering our bodies. He said, well, Pastor, I don't believe that you know, in the church we should be working and we just go live our lives and do what we want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something different. Romans 12 and 1 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we understand that that's true and proper worship. Offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. How many of us know what we do with our bodies affects us? I mean, I'm 50, I'm 48, this will be 48 years old, and I'm realizing that I need to get in better health and the way I treat my body. But that's not what he's talking about necessarily right here. He's talking about what we do with our bodies. How many of us know if you live in sin, it affects your bodies? And he's talking about the sins in this verse. He's talking about things that we shouldn't do. And if we sin against the body, living ungodly, immoral lives, that it affects our body. How many of those that he was talking about, there's sins that lead you into death and sins that not. And you said, well, Pastor, you're going to get all theological on it. No, I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you're sleeping around and living any kind of ungodly life, it affects your life. Come on. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. So it affects your life. It not only affects your life, it affects the person that you're messing around with. We don't talk about this stuff in church anymore because we don't believe we need to preach it or teach it. But sin and sexual sin is a sin against your body and the person that you have in that relationship with. Come on. We don't talk about these things anymore, but it's true. All right. He also says we, we commit not to do anything with our bodies that is pleasing to God or grieves the Holy Spirit. Talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit, this is the sanctuary, right? In this building called, this building right here is called, this room is called the sanctuary. We should treat it with reverence. Amen? Amen? Don't try to track mud in or spill drinks on the floor or do whatever or even act ungodly. That's what scripture says. But how many of us know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Come on. 
The main temple of the Holy Spirit is our body. So the temple of the Holy Spirit, what I put into my body, what I take into my body, what I allow into my body, the windows of my body affects my life. Come on, church. Yeah. It affects my life. It affects everything in me. It affects things about me. And I'm going to go, and it affects how God can work in me, I should say. It affects that. Let's go a little farther here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. It says, Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit given to who? To the Lord. Given to the Lord. So we understand that our bodies is not only meant to please God with us spiritually, but it's meant to please God with us physically. Okay? We're meant to please God with our bodies spiritually and physically. How many has ever struggled with that? Come on. We all struggle with that. Many of us do. Matter of fact, I would say 90% of people do. All right, Proverbs talks about our words. How many of us know our words are important? How many of us ever said something to somebody and hurt their feelings? Everybody in this room has said something to somebody at times and hurt their feelings. How many of us ever, can we make it a little bit more vibrant in here? How many of somebody's ever said something to you and hurt your feelings? And we had at least three more people raise their hands. Y'all with me this morning? Numbers went up at least 33%. Somebody ever says something to you to hurt your feelings? How many of us know is important what we say to other people yes. and how we say it? Jesus talked about it. Our words need to be mixed with salt and light. We need to make sure that we tell people the truth, but we do it in love. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. How many of ever liked being around somebody that lies on? Are y'all going to help me today? You ever been around somebody that lies? And you know they lie, and they know you know they lie, but they still lie? I mean, know people that lying is a stronghold in people's lives. You can be a Christian and be a liar. The Bible says that he hates the lie and the one who makes the lie. Did it say, yeah, it says that. So when we make sure that when you say, well, Pastor, I don't lie. I, I never told a lie. Do you gossip on people that's something you don't know about? You lie. Well, you know, I don't know this to be true. How many of you Just get on Facebook, man. You hear it all? Didn't say that. I don't know this to be true, but so and so, I heard from so and so's cousin's uncle's daughter's friend. And so and so and Tommy and Mary are having a hard time. You know what you can do to benefit Tom and Mary that may be having a hard time? Or you may know they separated or you may know they're going through financial hardships. You know what you can do? You can spend that time instead of telling somebody else what Tommy and Mary's going through. Why don't you tell the father what Mary and Tommy's going through? I'm going to help you today, church. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to go ahead and lay it out here. If you're talking about your pastor, you need to repent. Because when you stand where I stand every day and have to make the decisions I make and deal with the people that I deal with, it's you and I love y'all, by the way. <laughs> but you would make the bad, poor decisions too. Yes, sir. And you yes. say, well, Pastor, do you think anybody's talking about me? I'm a pastor. Yes. Just sure as I'm standing here to people's talking about me. But the Bible also says, don't touch my anointing. You know what scripture says? So it's easy for me to judge Miss Trace. Let me use this as an illustration. About what Miss Tracy's going through when I never walked a mile or a step in what Tracy's going through. And you know what ruins unity in church when I talk about somebody or about something that I know nothing about. And then I want God to answer my prayers, but I'm lying on other people. And I want God to move a mountain for me, but I'm talking about everybody and I'm getting on Facebook and I'm commenting on every political post that comes down the pipe. Listen, we know what we believe in. We know we're conservatives. We know we believe in the conservative agenda. We know that, but it don't do me no good to get on there and criticize everybody and belittle the name of Jesus criticizing somebody that I don't even know. I feel better off here. But I don't even know these people and I'm criticizing them. We know what we stand for. We don't have to get out there. What we need to do is tell people about Jesus Christ and tell them what he did for our lives and, and, and show them what he did. And sometimes share, share Jesus and sometimes but we even use words. And you say, well, pastor, what does that mean? I'm talking about gossip in church. 
I'm talking about people talking about other people that they don't know anything about. I don't really know what's going on in Brian's life, but I'm going to tell about talk about Brian to everybody. I need to repent. And I need to take Brian's need if I know about him to the Lord and not share with everybody else. Everybody say, move on, Pastor. Okay, we can move on. When we get ready, no, no, we're going to hit this one more time. When we get ready to share something, this information about somebody else, ask if it was me in that situation when I want that to be shared. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, we can come here to gospel about it or not. You know, because they know I'm going to shut them up. I will. I promise you, come to me talking about somebody else. And it's not prayerful, and you don't know about it. I'm say, okay, let's pray about this. We're not talking about it. So when we repeat something, why do we need to repeat it if we don't know it? Especially, what if that person was saying that about me and I had no control? Would I repeat it? That's a general rule of thumb. There ain't nobody got up left yet, so I guess I'm doing okay. So what we do is we try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye when we got a plank in ours. We're so busy trying to fix everybody else. We're not worrying about the things that we have in our life. I read a quote this week. I started to put it on a church sign, but the Holy Spirit said, hold up. Anybody ever done that? You've done that See, people go around and they look for the perfect church. They look for the perfect pastor. They look for the perfect worship team. They look for the perfect parking lot, the, the perfect decor, the building. They look for all the perfect things. And they don't realize when they have you ever heard somebody say, I just found the perfect church. And they walk into that church and something happens when they walk into that church. That perfect church that was perfect before they walked in became imperfect because they walked in. He said, Pastor, you're going to kick them. I've already kicked the top off my head. What I'm trying to say today, church, is we're too busy a lot of times as Christians finding fault instead of walking in the goodness of God. We're too busy looking for something wrong and looking for ghosts around the corner and looking, and we don't even enjoy our lives and we don't even walk in the in the power and the admonition and the strength of the Lord. We don't do it, Miss Marianne, because we're too busy trying to find fault with somebody. Everybody knows that a critical spirit would take you to hell. Oh, yeah. Quit being critical of other people. Now that's not easy to do. All of us in this room, me raising two hands, have been critical of somebody else. So you know what we do? We repent and we move on. Repentance is a turning from something. I don't go right back to it and do it again. I repent and I turn and I go from it. Now, we've talked enough about gossiping. I'm going to try to move to the next point. There's nothing wrong, Ms. Marion made a valid point. There's nothing wrong with repenting every day. Matter of fact, we should. Me and Misty had this conversation before this morning, didn't we, Misty? I repent every morning and every night. You say, well, Pastor, what if you didn't sin? I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm keeping my slate clean. Let me tell you something, too. I'm going to help some folks out today. Everybody ever heard of this thing called grace? It's what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross. So if you're walking, I'm going to help somebody right here because I feel this by the Holy Spirit. If you're walking through this life thinking, what if I sin today and I don't know about it? The Holy Spirit, through the grace of Jesus Christ, paid for by his blood on Calvary, will cover you and you will still make it into heaven. It's the sin that we know about and don't repent. That's the ones that derail us. So we should at least get two hand claps right there. That means that God knows that I'm feeble, Brian, and he knows I'm a man, and he knows that I'm going to make mistakes, but he also created me in his image to become like him, Miss Marianne. And the more I read his word and the more I allow his Holy Spirit to work in my life, the more I become like him, the more I look like him, and the less I sin. It's not that I sin less. It's not that I'm sinless, but I sin less. Because I can come closer to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. That's the reason he said, sanctify them with truth. Your Word is true. So every time you read the Word of God, you cannot help be changed by the Word of God. You say, well, Pastor, show me how. The Bible says that his Word is more quicker and more sharper and more powerful than any double-edged sword. Cutting to the inmost pen. So when I read the Word of God, I may not think it's changing me then. But two months down the road, when I'm in a dilemma, the Holy Spirit will bring his Word back to my remembrance. And it will change my life and make it somebody else's. John says, 1 John said it like this, 1 John 3 and 18 said, Little children, let us love 
in word and talk, not in love and talk. Excuse me, back up. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So what was John saying here? John was saying it's more about what you do than what you say. Isn't that what he said? So it's not so much about what I say, but it's about how I live. It's about how I live. My life makes a difference to somebody every day. He said, well, Pastor Riggs, I wish God would give me an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody every day. If you'll pray, God will open up doors for you to share Jesus with somebody. How many of us know every time you give into missions in this church, you're having an opportunity to change, change somebody's life across the world for eternity because of what you give. That's being a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will put up, he will make God encounters for us to be able to make a, a difference. See, I've heard people say, well, pastor, I'm not going to give to this cause or give to this person because they're just manipulating people to get what they want. Come on, ever been that way? How about I give what God tells me to give and I let God handle all that? Yeah. Now, I'm not putting, telling you to put your seed in the bad ground, but what I am telling you, church, when you give into the, and you say, well, I see that drunkard at the, at the loves and he's just a crackhead or he's just an alcoholic or he's just trying to manipulate somebody. He makes more money a year. The Holy Spirit tempts you to give them $20. You give them $20 and you don't tell nobody about it. You let God give you glory. Yeah. You let God reward you for it. But don't go tell somebody, well, they, you know, and then you walk away and think, you know, that guy right there's just a crackhead. He's just, he just a drug addict. What if he was in that position? What if that was your child? And you say, well, Pastor Rich, what does that mean? I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say today, church, is do what God calls you to do, but don't go tell everybody about it. This church helps people every year, but we don't go around and broadcast it. We just do it because God told us to do it. So a part of what you give helps somebody else through hard times. Now, are there people that use the system? You better believe it. The Bible says, let me help somebody else too. The Bible also says it like this, that if we don't work, we don't eat. So if you won't work and you go around and asking other people for money all the time and there's jobs around, you are wrong and living in sin. Because the Bible says the man that don't work is don't eat. That's the reason socialism is becoming so prominent because somebody wants something for nothing. Mm, I need to move. This is probably going to be flagged and taken down. But that's all right, too. And you say, well, Pastor, you, you, you just rough on us today. No. The Bible says we don't work. We don't eat. That's right. You know the apostles and the disciples, when they were on this earth, they didn't get things for free. They didn't ask things for free. They worked with their hands. Paul says, we didn't become a burden to you. Paul's writing from a prison cell. He said, but we work with our hands. Peter talked about it. So, you know, a lot of times we're critical of pastors and preachers, but 85% of your pastors now are bivocational. Right. In the churches of God, about 85% of your pastors are bivocational. That means they work a job and pastor, and a lot of times they get means in their salary. Right. Am I real? Am I being real? Yes. But, you know, it's, pastoring is not my career. It is my calling. Right. Whether I get two cents or $2,000 a week, it is my calling. It is what God's called me to do. And let me go a step further. If you are a Christian and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, it is your calling to finish the Great Commission. It is not an elective, it is a command. Jesus didn't give us elective to go into the highways and byways and preach through the gospel and tell them to come in and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and disciple them. That was a command from Jesus. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, we can't do anything about what's going on in our world. We've been doing something about what's going on in our world. We've been fasting, and we've been praying, and we've been bombarding heaven. And when God will hear his people, will he do it? Yes. So we're obeying God. Look at what the word of God tells us to do. You said, well, Pastor, you hit every, every, every element this morning. What I'm trying to say to you today, church, is we're worrying about too many little things, and we need to let the main thing be the main thing. Is that we follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Matthew 6, 3 and 4 says, But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that when your giving may be done in secret, then the Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. 
She said, well, Pastor, when I give to people and I don't tell other people about it, well, God rewards you. Isn't that what it said? There's a blessing that comes with that, so God will bless me. So we ask the question, is God going to reward us in this biblically? Absolutely. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you for what was done in secret. It's called truth operating in love without a selfish motivation. Jesus took the basin when his disciples were going to wash his feet and the towel. And the Bible said he wrapped the towel around himself and he took the basin and the water and, and, the, and the bowl and he washed their feet. He would not allow them to do it again. Why did Jesus take that bowl and that water and that towel and wash their feet? Because Jesus wanted them to see that Christianity is built on servanthood, not on what's in it for me. And a lot of times we as a Christian, we think about what's in it for me. What's in it for me? Listen, Scripture tells us that his blessings are, will run down and overtake me. Run me down. You know what we sang about this morning? If I live in a covenant relationship with God, God has caused his blessings to run me down and overtake me. So how do I operate? What is my motivation? My motivation should be love. Anybody ever heard of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13? When the apostle Paul's talking about what love is? She said, well, Pastor Rex, is my motivation pure. My motivation is true. Are you walking in love? Now listen, let me, let me help everybody here today. Everybody that comes through your doors, you're not going to like. Everybody that's in your family, you're not going to like. <laughs> My wife loves me, but she tells me straight up, some days I just don't like you very much. I love her, and she's beautiful, and she's the best thing that ever happened to me, Miss Tracy. But there's some days that I stay on the porch out there with the dog hanging out and let her do what she wants to do in the house. I know what she says. Pastor, oh, Rex, she don't call me Pastor. She'll say Rex, or Shug, or what did she call me? Babe is what she calls me. She calls that me Babe when she's not mad at me, by the way. <laughs> and she'll say, why don't you get your boat and go fishing? Why don't you go out in the yard? And why don't you go walk the dog? Or go down to church a little while? Or go over to the lake? Or why don't you go do this? Or do that? You know what she's needing? She needs me time. Yes. You know what almost 30 years of marriage has taught me? That if I give her me time, there's going to be more me and her time. In other words, we're going to connect more. Yes. You know, because we all need a break. How many knows that? Oh, yeah. How many ever, when you're parents and you have kids and you get that day and night, it's really nice. <laughs> well, you can go and order and you're not worrying about having to clean up spit. And I'm helping all these parents. We're George. George's not in here. But when that baby gets here, little, little Sadie Greer gets here, it's going to be different. And I, I'm just going to help her. You can bring her to my house and we'll watch her and let y'all go have a date night. It's okay. As long as she's not crying and having a stomach up or teeth, teeth or anything like that, then we'll sit back. So the bottom line is our motives have to be pure. And you say, well, Pastor, my motives are not always pure. Were the disciples' motives always pure? No. They were not. Remember when Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan? Yeah, Jesus calls Peter Satan. Was he literally talking about, no, he was talking about the spirit that was speaking through Peter. Because Peter was trying to stop him from going to the cross and finishing what God called him and put him on earth to do. So our motivation has to be changed. Let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, boast. It is not, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It, own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. So, do I rejoice in truth? Am I kind? Do I envy? Do I want what somebody else has? Now, that's hard for guys because guys that buy guns and bass boats and bows and Guns and bass boats and bows and, and guns and all these other things they like and camouflage and I don't know what else, tree stands and fishing equipment, I don't know. There's things that we like. But how many of us know it's wrong for me to want what somebody else has got? How many of us know that when we're looking at what somebody else has got all the time, it becomes lust? Come on. 
Yes. And it becomes prideful. You see, there's not one adulterous relationship that happened with one look. It happened in the third and third, second, second and third look. Come on now. It got really quiet. It's a, you remember the Casting Crown song talking about the slow fade. It happens gradually. And you say, well, Pastor, can I be envious and it not be of sexual nature? Yeah, you can. You can be envious of somebody both that you work a job all your life and you work yourself to death to have things that you want that at the end when you get, you didn't even want. And you wasted your life doing that. That's between you and God. But what I'm trying to say is you can work yourself to death and have things and those things instead of you having things, those things have you. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, I don't have time to spend with my kids. I don't have time to go to my kids' ball games. He just got through telling me that he fished in a tournament in his $32,000 basketball the weekend before. But I got to work because I got to pay for my boat and my house. Come on now. Are we supposed to be talking about this kind of stuff in church? But I don't have time. I don't know the things my wife likes. I don't know what she wants for Christmas. I don't know why she wants to go on a date right every while. But I can tell you about the latest bow and gun and video game, come on, and fishing lure. Hello, hello. <laughs> Ladies, I can't tell you nothing about my, my men, but I can tell you about, it used to be home material, any home material more than Home material is like old stuff. But I can tell you what's on Pinterest. Getting and I can tell you about the Zon. That's Amazon for some of <laughs> And I can leave a note for the FedEx guy. Please hide these boxes under the porch so my husband doesn't. <laughs> but I can't tell you what my husband likes. Is that motivated by love? And I can't cook my husband a meal. I can't do anything to serve my husband. Listen, you say, well, Pastor Rex, do you do everything right? This woman right back here could take us. I'm going to let her preach one Sunday, but I'm just going to check out that Sunday, so I don't hear it. She can tell you about all the things that I don't do right, but I tell you what she does and has done for almost 30 years now. She serves me every day, unconditionally. Does she always like me? No. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I spent the whole evening at the church. And I let her do her thing that she needed to do. She had some stuff around the house. And it was so warm and fuzzy when we got home. She loved me. She let me watch a show with Jen that wasn't Hallmark or Pixel. And I watched a show about shooting guns and stuff. Because she loves me. My motivation is love. It's not rude. It is not unkind. Listen, we can't tell people about Jesus if you're ugly to your wife and husband and yelling at your kids all the time. Yeah. Come on. I would have to have a resignation letter after this one. <laughs> but you can't do it. I like this part. You know what love does? Love is happy when truth prevails. Bible says... Be ye not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We wonder about what's going on in America and whether people are going to be found out and whether truth's coming to the surface. Let me give you a scripture. Be ye not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you're doing wrong, it's coming to the surface. And one day, every one of us is going to stand before a just God and our whole life is going to be played before us like a video. And what we live and what the things that go unconfessed. We got in this conversation this morning. What happens if I repent of something and does the Lord show me that the Bible says as far as the east is from the west? Has he removed our sins from us? Amen? He talked about in deep as the sea. They're cast in the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. So I find my happiness and my joy in that when Jesus forgive me because of what he did for me, shedding his blood on the cross, it's greater than any sin I've ever committed when I committed it and confessed it to 
him and he forgave you for it. So let me give you a little help today and a little strength here. Jesus don't remember your sins that you confess to him. So move on. Don't hold them against yourself. How many of us know that the hardest person to forgive is ourselves? Y'all ought to be excited about this. I'm not beating you up anymore. Let it go. We ought to be singing the let it go, let it go. <laughs> People that wronged you when you were in high school 30 years later and you're still holding the grudge, let it go. People that hurt you in the church two churches ago, let it go. Come on. Pastor said something on Sunday and you didn't like it because it was the word of God. Take it to heart. Let it go. Come on, my wife. She burnt my almond when she cooked it. <laughs> my husband left his dirty, muddy boots in my house. Shoes. And that's me. Got mud all over the house. I, I fixed that. I built a shoebox right when you come in the door just to help myself. That was selfish. That was for me. Stay out of trouble. So what do we need to do as a church to act in love? To act in love. So, well, Pastor, what do we do in the times that we live in? And I skipped three points. I promised you, just took three out. All the church said, Amen. <laughs> I knew, I knew somebody was going to say, Thank you, Miss Tracy. At least you know you're being honest. Amen. <laughs> so, what do we do in these times that we live in? What do, what do we do to help? Keep ourselves on the road. How many of us have days when it's hard to stay on the road? Come on. Amen. How many of us ever had to deal with road rage driving? I call my wife a lot of times on 459 simply to help her keep me in the road. I'm being real. First thing we need to do is focus on the truth of the Word of God. Every day, we focus on the truth of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. I can't explain the word of truth and handle the word of truth if I don't know it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. He said, Work hard. How many of us know that God created us to work? And in the Christian walk, we should be working. We should be serving. You know? We should volunteer for nursery. Come on, we should volunteer on serve days. Come on. We should, we should, we should give up our tithes and offerings to the Lord. We should work. Continue the work of the Lord, knowing the Word of God, and living by the Word of God. Jesus said it like this. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word. You know where the blessing is at? It's not in hearing the word. Yes, it's a blessing to be able to hear the word. It's a blessing to be able to come into his house today and hear the word. But when life trans, when, when my life is transformed is when I do it. When I am the hands and feet of Christ to other people. Here's one that we don't talk a lot about. And I promise you there's not but three. And this is number two. It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 said it like this. It said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers, requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Apostle Paul said it like this. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul wasn't saying that to brag. Paul was saying we need to pray in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, we're forgetting about what our man think, is thinking about. And we're praying in a language to God that only our spirit and his spirit understands and no enemy can stop that. We're praying in the Spirit. And also, how I many of ever, when you go to your prayer closet, you have to put some music on to help you focus? Some worship music. Come on. You, you set an atmosphere to pray. I do. The days when I've had the hardest days, a lot of times, 
I'll come down here or I'll get in my truck driving home and I'll put some worship music on where I can focus my mind off the day, things of the day, and I can get into the spirit and pray. You know why? Because I'm a hand just like everybody else. And I have faults just like everybody else. And I have failures just like everybody else. But we pray in the spirit and we're alert. What does the Holy Spirit do? It makes us alert. Me and one of our church people had this conversation a little while ago. The, the more I know of the word and the more of a fellowship I have with the Holy Spirit, my spiritual eyes are open to see what's going on around me. How many of you ever got up from praying or reading your word and all of a sudden you see things differently than you did before you went into that room or that time? That's sharpening your spiritual senses. That's praying in the spirit. I pray. I stay alert. Why do I stay alert? Because there's an enemy, our adversary, the devil, right? How many of you know that? Our adversary, the devil, is seeking, is walking around seeking whom he may devour. You know what First Peter said? He's wanting to destroy your life. We have an enemy. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But dear friends, must, we must hold each other up in the most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I need to be praying for my neighbors, my friends, my church family. Come on. That's the reason that God always moves and always does something during fasting and prayer because we're giving God something. And it's not that we're getting more of God, it's that he's getting more of us and we're lifting not just our needs before God, but we're lifting the needs of others. Come on. It's not selfish. It's not selfly motivated, but we're motivated by love. Yes, amen. For God so loved the world that he gave and love in nature is giving. See, God don't have to get good. That's who God is. But a lot of times, I have to relinquish a lot of myself to be able to hear what God has said to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15 says, So what shall I do? I will pray in my spirit, with my spirit, but I also will pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my understanding. What was Paul talking about? He's talking about praying in the spirit, singing and worshiping and praying an atmosphere an atmosphere, that's the reason worship is so important. It's not necessarily so important about what song you're singing. It's worship unto God. We need to forget about all that. I don't like that style, whatever. Don't forget about it. Worship God. It's not about, worship is not about me. It's about Him. The Bible tells us that He inhabits the praise of His people. So you know what I've noticed over the years, Tiffany? When I'm down and out and I'm struggling, if I just begin to worship him, he inhabits my praise and he begins to do things in my life and he begins to shift things in my life because, Jerry, the, the focus shifts from me to him. See, I can't fix my problems, Miss Tracy, but Jesus can fix my problems. Yeah, yeah. And when I take the focus off me and I begin to say, God, and you're holy and you're righteousness and I thank you for saving my soul and filling me with the Holy Ghost and changing my life and breaking stronghold. All of a sudden, something happens in my spirit. Come on, church. And the focus is shifted from me unto him who is the author and the finisher of my faith who holds it all in his hands. Come on. And I forget about my inadequacies and I think about how my God, how good my God is. And how awesome he is. And that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Come on. And like my daddy said, he'll sell a few of those cattle to meet your need if he needs to. Yeah. I remind myself of who my God is. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. How many of you remember the story about David dancing before the Lord in worship? You know what his wife did? She said, you look like a fool, David. Won't you clothe yourself and quit dancing? You look like an idiot. And David looked at his wife, and I don't recommend this guy, but David looked at his wife and he said, shut up, woman. I'm not doing what I'm doing. I'm just paraphrasing, by the way. He said, shut up, woman. I'm not doing what I'm doing for you. I'm doing it for God. And I'm not going to tell people how to worship. Number one, I don't, that's not my job. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He'll show you how to worship, right? That's the reason Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit. Come on, that's what he said in Galatians 5. So the Holy Spirit will deal with everybody differently. But what I need to do is focus on him. What I need to do is understand that there's a lifeline for me and God. It's called prayer and it's called worship. Last verse. Ephesians, excuse me, Philippians 4 and 6 says it like this. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but everything, but about about anything, but in everything by petition and prayer, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding and guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did it say it might? Did it say it might? Good. He said, present, present your positions and your requests to God in Thanksgiving. And the peace that transitions off, that, that surpasses all understanding or transcends. One version said, all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's not just giving me peace, it's guarding my peace. What is the most, I'm going to help some of these football fans here. For a right-handed quarterback, who's the most valuable person on that offensive line? For a left-handed quarterback, who's the most valuable person on that offensive line? Right tackle, because that's his blind side. How many of you know this? I have a couple of my football fans get connected back in. There's a couple of them checking out up here. But how many of you know that he will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Word of God? If I'm watching news media 18 times a day that it comes on the air, I'm not going to have a lot of peace. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about me. I turn it on and watch three times every day. I was about ready to give up all hope. But when I open my word and I realize what the book says about this, and I trust in what the word says. You know what happens? That peace comes to guard my heart and mind. In Christ Jesus. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up the standard. So it is important that we pray. Yeah. Now more than ever. And I'm through with this. Now more than ever. And I thank God this morning or people that's coming to church. I thank for those that's watching online that's not able to be here today. How many of those that's church to me today? I thank God for that. I don't, I don't belittle that by no means. But the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. You say, well, Pastor, what's going on around us? I told you, me and Misty had a great conversation today, this morning, about life and situations. And I said, where we're at today is the great falling away. The great falling away. Church attendance is down 70% across America. So we're past the winter pandemic. Does that have something to do with it? Yes, it does. 70%. There's also a lot of people that's been in it for years. There's kids that's walking away. You know why? Because what they're consuming their minds on is winning the war. Scripture tells us God told the man of God that I'm going to destroy <coughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, know when they were Lot and they were leaving out of there, that Lot's wife turned around and the Bible says she turned into a pillow of salt. She looked back. Hear me today, church. Hear me. Don't you look back at what it used to be. Don't you get focused on, well, when I was out in the world, I had all that freedom. No, you didn't. You was addicted, tore up on the floor up, and you were broken. And you said, well, pastor, I still got issues. You keep coming to church. Because you come to church with about 50 people today that's got issues just like you do. Well, I got problems. I got strongholds in my life. I got things. I got habits. Well, you keep on bringing those habits to church because you're in a room full of people that's got strongholds and issues and problems in their lives too. And the Bible says that we give help, hope, and healing in Colossians chapter 3 when we confess our sins and our faults to one another that we might find hope and healing in our hour of need. So the church is not the enemy today. The church is still the answer. You said, well, pastor, what's holding all this stuff back? What's, what's keeping it from being worse? 
The spirit of God in the church is holding him back. And you think it's bad now? Now hear me today, church. Hear me. If you don't know the Lord, if you think it's bad now, you wait till the rapture of the church takes place and the spirit of God and the church is moved up out of here if you think this world's bad now. You imagine, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, millions of people are going to be gone from the face of this earth. Can you imagine the utter chaos that's going to be taking place? I don't want to be here. Thank God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I won't be here. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, What's happening? It's a great falling away. But he also said that in the last days he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. We're going to dream dreams and see visions and the signs and the wonders are going to follow the church. That's what's going to happen. So church as usual it's not even in the picture anymore. Amen? Because we're in the last day. And I'm not trying to scare you to death. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Give you a little comfort, a little help. A little peace this morning. Keep living. Keep having your families. Keep having your children. Keep working. But keep looking for the coming of the Lord. Apostle Paul said it like this. When you see all these things take place, Jesus talked about it in Matthew. When you see all these things taking place, look up. For your redemption drop. So what's the challenge to us? I'll tell you what we're going to do as a church this year. We're going to keep building. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep working. We're going to do more outreach this year, God willing, than we've ever done. We're already putting it in a place. You said we're passionate in a pandemic. Yep, doing everything else in a pandemic. We're going to do it. Amen. Come on. You say, well, are we having to deal with stuff? Yeah, we have to deal with stuff in this church. It's been hard. But God's been faithful. And it's because you've been faithful. It's because you kept giving and kept working and kept serving and keep coming. I don't mean that everybody's got it together and all, all of it's perfect and all rosy. That, that's just not true. That means we're, going, we're not going to quit. The Bible says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We're in endurance now. How many knows a sprinter, he don't, he don't have to have much endurance. He just needs speed. But how many know that, uh, that somebody that runs a marathon has got to have endurance? Anybody ever tried to run several miles before? Colin and them used to play football on Friday night, the boys. And they played a little bitty Christian school. They had to play both ways. And I used to say, bless them real good. And they never coming off that field and they running up and down that field. And they're cramping it up and everything else. And they drinking pickle juice and mustard and everything else. Come on, that's what they did. You the keep, the keep from cramping up. What the rough boy? Yeah. But they were, what they were doing is they were building endurance in their body. And they were learning something. Church, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep working. Keep living for the Lord. I believe this is the greatest year yet for the church. I believe that. When I pray, I speak that. You got harvest. See, the, the problem is, church, is not the harvest, it's the laborers. Jesus said, Don't pray to the Lord of the harvest for the harvest. He said, But pray that He give you laborers for the harvest. Everybody knows that it grows a garden. The hard part is getting the garden where it needs to go. But the, really the hard part is picking them. I remember we used to have to pick rows and rows of peas and butter beans. I didn't mind hoeing them and fertilizing them and helping daddy plow them, but I hated picking butter beans. Because that'd be three beans and one little pot of butter beans. And daddy would say, shut up, boy. You ain't going to play when your feet's on the table eating them. Keep picking. I know my daddy's not here today, so I can say that. <laughs> But it's in the harvest. The harvest is the hard part. But it's really not. It's doing what God's called us to do. Amen. Serving. Loving on people. Checking on people. Caring about people. Reaching people. Being real in front of people. Being real. 
See, every one of us has a story, Miss Marianne. Every one of us. And I'm sure you're like me. You've got things in your past that you're not proud of. I know. But you know, when I share those things to people, a lot of times, there's people that God will put in my path, Natalie, that's been through some of the same things, and God puts them in my past, and I need to share my story and what God's done for me. And they find help because I share what I've been through. So I say, if you, you battle depression, God will put somebody, and God's give you help through depression, God will put somebody in your life that's battled that. If you've gone through broken relationships, God will put people in your life. He will do it. Help. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name.